What's happening? It is good to see you guys. Super happy you guys all braved it in the rain. Kudos to you guys. Happy you guys made it. And some of you guys are still wet. Some of you guys are dry. I just got dried off. I was in the rain for a while. But I am good. So we've been in a series that we're calling, that actually, and we're wrapping it up today. We're calling All in the Family. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 5. I've titled this talk, Rise Above. Rise above. So if maybe you missed the past other weeks, let me tell you what we're doing in this series. Today we're wrapping up our series on, on All in the Family. Next week, as Abdiella just mentioned, we're, we're going to be kicking off a brand new series called Hello, Holy Spirit. We want you guys to make plans to be here next week. But, but what we're doing in this series is we're, we're looking at the teachings of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5 in a little section called the Beatitudes. And in this section, Jesus talks about how to have a blessed life. What we're doing is we're zooming out and looking at how to have a blessed family. And so we've been going week after week through the Beatitudes, and this week we're gonna wrap it up and look at this Beatitude in verse five. And you know, when I talk about, when, when Jesus talks about the different qualities that we need to, to be blessed, we think about that, we, we think about how we can apply those in our lives. And the purpose of this series is, is to look at that as a family unit, like how can we help each other out as a family? How can we help each other live a life that's blessed by looking at these Beatitudes? attitudes. Now, how many of you know that our families are under attack? Our families are under attack. The enemy has come to try to steal, right? Kill, destroy our families. He's trying to divide us. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to divide our marriages. He's trying to divide us between our, our kids and us. He's trying to break up this relationship. And so we look at families today. One of the things that wouldn't roll off our tongue is, wow, that family is blessed right? It, it, it just, we don't see it very often. More often than not, we see families that are just, you know, knee deep, chin deep, everything deep in dysfunction and just, you know, try, it's a miracle they're even still together. And so if you're taking notes, there's a key thought that we've been honing in on every single week and, it, and it's kind of the paradigm shift of how we think about faith in our families. And so if you've been here before, I would invite you to just say, even if you haven't been here before, it's gonna come up on the big screen behind me and I invite you all to just repeat it with me, all right? We are not just a family of faith. What are we? We are a family that follows the teachings of Jesus. Now, some, some folks new might say, well, what's the difference? I don't really see the difference in that. It sounds like a little nuance. And the reality is that it is just a little bit of a difference here. But unfortunately, today, the word Christian, which is often what is thrown around, it doesn't mean what it used to mean. In fact, here in the United States of America, to be a Christian is almost a, a default decision. There are tons and tons and tons of people who said, hey, what's your religion? And people say, well, my, my faith is, I'm not anything else, so I guess I'm, I'm a Christian. They're like, I, I don't really fit any other category, so the, the, the category that's most prevalent in our society is Christian. In fact, Gallup Poe came out with a, a stat that says 75% or so of people in our country would call themselves Christian. But if we didn't know that and we looked at their life and how they spend their time, their resources, their energy, their money, whatever, we would look and we would wonder, I'm not really sure if what they call themselves they really are because the way they live their lives just doesn't really line up. And so, so I thought, well, if we go with maybe a different title, 
and we take it actually seriously and we say, we know we're not just a family of faith, but we actually try to follow the teachings of Jesus. We're not just this cultural Christian in a sense, but we are followers of the teachings of Jesus in all that we do. So in other words, Jesus isn't just like a part of our lives, what I do on Sunday. No, he's the very essence of my life. It's not just like I go to him, it's Easter, Christmas, Mother's Day, right? Or whenever it's convenient. No, he is the center of what I am. He's not just a part, he's the epicenter. He's where I make my decisions from. And so our values, if that is true, will be different, you guys. The way we raise our children will be different. The way we use our resources will be different. Our, our time and our money, it'll be different. And so the way we treat people will be different. The way we treat our family will be different. Can somebody say yes? If we are followers of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, it'll be different. We will live our lives different than the way a lot of times our culture lives their lives. So whether we decide to follow the teachings of Jesus or not, the fact of life is that life is tough. Can somebody say yes? And having a family who follows the teachings of Jesus is tough too. <laughs> Anybody argue that? Everybody agree with that? Say yes. It ain't easy. Family life is tough. Family life is hard. Family life, marriage life, it's difficult. Since Adam's sin, the world was broken and everything on the planet is broken. The first family was broken. Adam and Eve and his children, they were brother, killed brother. Talk about dysfunction, right? Nothing works perfectly. Listen, our bodies do not work perfectly. Can somebody say yes? The older I get, the more I realize that hair is not supposed to be coming out of there, right? I, get, I don't get hair where I want it. I get hair where I don't want it. It doesn't work. The weather doesn't work perfectly. In our country, there's earthquakes and there's lava pouring out of volcanoes. It's not working perfectly. We have several hurricanes that, that affected us last year, and those weather predictors are predicting an even more active hurricane season that starts in just two weeks on June 1st. Did you already know that? It's coming back. The economy doesn't work perfectly. No relationship works perfectly. Our marriages don't. Nothing works perfectly. And life and family and family life is full of losses. We have defeats, and we have disappointments. You guys, this is not heaven. Can somebody say yes? That's why we pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as what? As it is in heaven. Because in heaven, there are no defeats. There are no disappointments. But on earth, nothing works perfectly all the time. So we have trials and we have tribulations, we have sorrow and we have suffering, we have problems and pressures, we have defeats and disappointments. How do we rise above all of that? That's what we're gonna talk about. How do we rise above the inevitable losses as a family and in our own life? How do we rise above them? Let's look today at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse five. Jesus says this, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And if you look at this verse from the very, like at first glance, you're like, that sounds pretty ludicrous. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How does that make any kind of sense? In other words, the way to be happy is to be sad. It just seems like the great reversal. What does he mean by this? Why did Jesus say this? God blesses those who mourn. That's what we're gonna look at today. 
how God provides the wind beneath our wings to rise above those things that we have lost in our life. I don't know what all of us are going through right now. I hope some of us are going through a really good time in our lives, a relatively easy time, but I realize some of us here may not. Some of us came today all churning on the inside. All, 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 all turning up. On the, we, we've got conflicts. We've got chaos. We've got a bad health report. We just got laid off. We had a fight with our girlfriend. We had a fight with our wife, our, our boyfriend, our, our husband. The money just isn't there when we need it. We're under tension. And some of us have had a loss in our lives, and we've had a death in our life. We've had something that has caused us to have grief. Some of you may know my story. Maybe you don't. I have walked through some grief and some loss, I would say recently. I, 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 some of you know that I lost my mom. I lost my sister, both to cancer. And I've gone through some long journeys with grief and, and, and since they've died, long journeys. And I've learned a lot. I, I've learned a lot about grief. And I, let me tell you, I keep learning. And I've learned a lot about things that I didn't even know, even this past year, I've learned about things. And so what I want to do today is I just I want to summarize uh, a few of those ideas. I think someday I'll probably end up writing a book because of all the information that I've learned, all right? But that day is not today. But I, I just want to give you a few things on how to rise above the brokenness that we find in our world today. Let me give you some things, all right? And, and, and I think if you want, you can write this down, some things. One of them is this. God doesn't expect me to be happy all the time. God doesn't expect me to be happy all the time. It's just a fact of life. God doesn't expect me to be happy all of the time. There's this myth out there that people who are Christians or who follow the teachings of Jesus, if we're believers, if we know Jesus, we should always be smiling. We should always be smart, always happy, always cheerful, skipping the hills and picking flowers and talking about peace and love. And like the Von Trapp family, Von Trapp family, it says the hills come alive at the sound of what? Of music, right? We're just all oh, this. No, that's not reality. That's Princess Poppy. But that is not a Christian, okay? If you know the trolls, that's Princess Poppy, all right? That's not us. If we become followers of Jesus, it doesn't mean we become like Peter Pan, right? Peter Pan, or, or, or we try to live our lives like Michael Jackson. I don't know, you may know who Michael Jackson created this world called Neverland. And if you know his life, he tried to escape reality, which was not pretty for him. His career was riddled with scandal and and, and his financial empire was in ruins, and he just ignores that and decides to put on this ambitious concert schedule, ignoring his fragile physical, mental, and emotional state because he just kept thinking, the sun will rise, the sun will come out again, what? Tomorrow, tomorrow, right, right, right? It, it, it's just this pool of always being happy. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you're not gonna be happy all the time. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4, it says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. In other words, life is a series of opposites. There is a time to weep and a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. The Bible says that sometimes weeping is appropriate. 
Sometimes mourning is appropriate. Sometimes grieving is appropriate because the fact is that the world is filled with a lot, a lot of sadness. And we have, what we have to do, you know, simply is just go online and read the news and read about these girls who are getting kidnapped and terrorist attacks and murders and wars and all kinds of things. What's happening in Palestine and in Israel and this war breaking out? What happened in Cuba and the plane, you know, crashing and, and the kids in Texas and, and, and our kids in, up here in Florida? You know, there's a lot of pain on this planet. All kinds of things are happening. Sometimes the only appropriate logical response to life is grief. God doesn't expect us to simply grin and bear it, to stuff our emotions and to smile in the middle of all the storms of life. No, in fact, the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses us when we grieve. Why? Why does he do that? We're gonna look at that. A lot of people think that grief is only for funerals. Like if, if we lose a loved one, then we grieve. But the fact is that there are a lot of losses in life. There are thousands of losses. We can lose our health. We can lose our job. We can lose our money. We can lose our reputation. We can lose our energy. We can lose a dream. There are thousands of different losses in life and God says that the only appropriate response to the losses of life is not to fake it, but to face it. And not to go around grinning, but to, but to actually grieve. There is a time for every activity under heaven. I actually went through a study this week about grief and mourning and what the Bible says we're supposed to mourn and grieve over. And I'm not going to get into it because that's like two or three sermons. But the Bible says, I, I, a few things I'm going to let you know. The Bible says, I'm to mourn my losses. Which, what are our losses? It's the bad things that happen to me. We're supposed to mourn our losses. The Bible also teaches us that we're to mourn my disappointments. I'm to mourn my disappointments. What are disappointments? It's the good things that didn't happen to me. Did you hear that? We mourn our disappointments, the good things that didn't happen to me. There's a reason to mourn. The Bible says I'm to mourn my sins. I'm to grieve over my sins. The Bible says I'm, I'm to grieve and mourn over the sufferings in the world and not to be indifferent about it. I see what's happening with the lack of affordable housing in our city. That's, I see the crime, I see the drugs, I see the violence, I see the confusion of what is right and wrong and, and what is acceptable and not acceptable. I see what's happening in Nicaragua and in Venezuela. I see what's happening in Palestine and Israel and it grieves me. The Bible says I'm actually to grieve for my friends who don't know Jesus, who are spiritually lost. There are a lot of things the Bible tells us to grieve over. So God doesn't expect us to just be happy all the time. The second thing is, and you can write this down, is that grief is essential. Can everybody say essential? Can everybody say it one more time? Essential. Essential to my health. Grief is essential to my health. Grief is essential. It's essential to my emotional health, to my spiritual health, to my physical health, and to my mental health. In fact, if we never grieve about anything, if we're never sad about anything, it means one of three things. Number one is that we're not in touch with reality. We're not in touch with reality we're, we're, because there's a lot of things to be sad about. 
Number two is that we are out of touch with our emotions and we're living in denial. And the last one, letter C, is we don't love because when we love and we see sad things, that makes us grieve. Grief is a painful emotion, but it's a healthy emotion. And it's a helpful emotion. And it's God's gift. It's the tool that God gives us to get through the transitions of life. Let me say that one more. It's the tool that God gives us to get through the transitions of life. Now, here's a hard truth that I'm learning. And I wanted, I wanted to share this. There is no growth in our lives without change. We can't grow without change. There's no change without loss because we lose some of the old for the new. There is no loss without pain, and there is no pain without grief. So to go through life without grieving would be like a mother who says, I want to have a baby, but I don't want to go through the pains of childbirth. Guess what? It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're going to have some pain. Yes, you will. Some of us here today were hurt many years ago as you were growing up. Maybe our parents divorced. Maybe we were abused. Maybe we were hurt by something somebody said about us. Maybe it was in our family. And it hurt very, very deeply. But as a child, we didn't really know how to grieve how to grieve healthy. And so we just didn't know how to grieve and we didn't know how to grieve as a family. And so we just pushed it down and we stuffed it down. And, and we've never grieved over that hurt individually or as a family. And so my humble suggestion is that we need to go back and grieve over it individually, grieve over it as a family. Why? Why? Because if we don't grieve the losses of life, we get stuck at that stage. This is what I'm learning. Let me say it again. This is one of the most important things that I've ever learned. If we don't grieve when, when, we, when, when we've lost something, when we don't grieve the grief, when we, we don't go through this grief, when pain happens in our life and we don't feel it and we push it down, we get stuck emotionally at the stage and we spend the rest of our lives reacting to something that happened a long time time ago and we're taking it out on the people around us now and you guys that's not fair it's unhealthy to stuff it so when i swallow my grief my stomach feels it and they keep score if, if i don't talk it out i take it out on my own body or on other people or on my family and as we talk about how, how to have a blessed family we need to learn this and if I don't let, let it out in healthy ways, then I'm going to act it out in unhealthy ways. And this is where the dysfunction grows more and more in our families. When we swallow negative emotions, our bodies get sick. See, it's just not what we eat, what we eat that makes us sick. It's what eats at us that makes us sick as well. David talked about this in the book of Psalms. David says in Psalm 32.3, When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. So when we go through a loss in life, we lose a job, we lose a friend, we lose a deal, we lose the, the love of a family member, something in our life that we're hoping would happen or, or, or something that we had and we just lost it, we lose a marriage. We can either mourn, M-O-U-R-N, 
or we can moan, M-O-A-N. Mourning, M-O-U-R-N, is positive. Moaning, M-O-A-N, is having a pity party. Mourning, M-O-U-R-N, is calling out to God in our grief and in our pain. Psalm 39, verse 2, David says, I was silent and I held my peace to no avail. My distress only grew worse. If we don't grieve the losses in our life because we, we feel like, oh, we're too busy. I'm too busy right now. I don't have time to grieve. And, and all we do is just stuff it. If we tell ourselves we can't even think about, I can't even think about this right now. If we don't even ever face it, what happens is what happened, like David says, my distress only grew worse. And our families, you guys, get affected by this. So what am I saying? What am I saying? The things that happen to us, the things that happen around us, the bad things that happen to us, that is not our choice. But what is our choice is to grieve. Grief is a choice, and it's a healthy choice. We choose to let it out. We have to choose to allow ourselves to feel the sad emotions. And we might say, well, I don't like feeling sad. The truth is, we don't. We don't like feeling sad. But not everything that's helpful feels good. Not everything that's healthy tastes good. Can somebody say yes? If we don't mourn, M-O-U-R-N, the losses of life, we get stuck at that stage. And so what I want to look at is how God blesses broken hearts. Because Jesus says this, God blesses those who mourn. I want God to bless our lives. I want God to bless your life. And, 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 and my life, and I want God to bless, in spite of all the bad things that have happened, and in spite of all the bad things, you guys, that is going to happen, in order for God to bless our life, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So how does God comfort me when I grieve? I just have to say that I feel like an authority on this one. I've gone through some things. After the losses that I suffered in my family, I can speak from experience and how God comforts. And as I, I've looked back over my life in at least the last two decades, I, I, I see a bunch of ways that, that God blesses a broken heart and even how God comforts and blesses a broken family. So if you're here today, I want to tell you, each one of us fit both of those categories, a broken heart and a broken family. And the reason I say this is because you are human, right? Okay, you're human. And every human has experienced some sort of loss and some sort of, of loss even as a family. And so today, I want to talk about four ways that God wants to cause us to rise above the loss, the pain, and the hurt. You see, there was a time in my life when I was depressed, I was depressed, and I heard this song a friend of mine wrote, and I kept playing it over and over again on my cassette tape. Some of you young people don't know what that is. <laughs> um, my cassette, and I learned this song. It was a Spanish song, and I'll tell you the words of the song in English. The words of the song says, I want to cry again. I was so depressed, I didn't have a tear left, and this song just resonated with me. And it said, I want to cry again because my tears have dried up. And it was a prayer to God. God, this is the words of the song. God, I want to cry. Help me to cry again. Because when I can cry again, then I can find joy. And I was like, that's what I want. That's my way, my ticket out of my depression. And I can tell you that I've experienced a lot of crying. God answered my prayer. <laughs> I want to cry again. When my mom passed away, I cried a whole bunch. 
And then when my sister passed away, I cried even more. I was like, God, you really answered my prayer from one back then. You re- I've been crying and crying and crying. And let me tell you one thing that I've learned in my life is that, is that crying, <laughs> crying does something for us. It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of love, deep love cares deep love is strong and that's the kind of love that that keeps us going and keeps a family together and so how do we get through you heard me say get through because we don't get over you guys a lot of people think i'm just going to get over this grief no 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 we're not going to get over if it's serious if you were married for a certain number of years and then we divorce we don't just get over we get through. Can everybody say get through? We don't get over. If you have a loved one, a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, a child, or a sibling who dies, we don't get over that, you guys. Some of us in here, you know that. You don't just get over that. We get through it. We can't get over grief. We can't get under grief. We can't get around grief, you guys. We've got to go through grief. And if we're scared to go through our emotions and express our emotions and we refuse to go through it, that's when we get stuck. So how do I get unstuck? We let God help us. We let God comfort us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So if we decide to go through the grief, I got some good things to help us today. God says and he promises that he will comfort us. How does God comfort us? A bunch of different ways. And we're going to talk about some of them today. But the very first step in letting God comfort us is to look to him. The first way God blesses a broken heart is by allowing us to look to him, look to God. That's what he wants, right? He wants our attention. And what God is saying is, I know what you're going through. You're going through a rough patch right now. I didn't cause this. It's not what I wanted for your life. It's not what I wanted for theirs. But listen to me. Listen to me, Linda. Linda, listen to me. Listen to me, Linda. He's saying, eyes on me. Eyes on me. He's trying to get us to look to him. C.S. Lewis, he wrote this. He said, God whispers, whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone. Hello. It's God's megaphone. God is trying to say, I didn't do this to you, but I want to help you get through this. We rarely change when we are nice and comfy. We change when we feel the heat. And let me tell you, for some of us, the heat is on. The heat is on. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. That's today's English version. Anybody agree with that verse? right? Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. So God uses grief to get our attention. Someone once said, we may never know that Jesus is what we need until Jesus is all we have. And sometimes we don't realize that. He's all we have. The second way God blesses a broken heart is he comforts us and he, cre- he causes us to rise above. He brings good out of bad. That's the second way he blesses a broken heart. He brings good out of bad. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is Romans 8, 28. And it says, for we know. It doesn't say for we guess. It doesn't say for we hope. No, it says for we know that in 
all things, not just some things, not just the good things that happen. No, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. One of the ways to look at, at something as good coming out of bad is to think what's well, an opportunity to grow in character. It's what the challenge is for us. Every time we go through pain, even the pain that we can't control, we may have chronic pain, physical chronic pain, and that pain may be with us for years and years and years, and we can't always control that, but we can decide whether it's going to make us bitter or better, whether it's going to be a stepping stone or a stumbling block. God brings good out of bad. The third way is he blesses, the way he blesses a broken heart and he causes us to rise above is that he prepares us for eternity. In general, I don't think we think about eternity very much. I don't think we think about eternity enough, but let me tell you that when you have some losses in your life, some lost loved ones in life, you start thinking more and more about eternity and eternity becomes a lot more real to us. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. These troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory. What troubles? These troubles, the pain that we're going through right now, the, these troubles, that sickness, that sadness, that suffering, that lack, that loss, that pain, that pressure, that problem, these troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory. They will make all our troubles seem like nothing. Things that are, that, that are seen don't last forever, but things that are not seen are eternal. That's why we keep focused on the things that we can't see. How many of us know we're not, talking, we're not taking our car to heaven? How many of us know that? Uh, some of us are happy we're not taking our cars to heaven. But we're not taking, we're not only not taking, we're not taking our Fitbits to heaven. I got news for our iPhones. We're not taking our iPhones to heaven. We're not taking our careers to heaven. But guess what we are taking? Our character. We're taking our character to heaven. That's what we're taking with us. So God's more interested in our character development than he is in our comfort. Why? Because he's preparing us for eternity. Comfort will come, but it's character building time right now. This right now, what we're living is the pregame to the game. It's the practice before the, the, the playoffs, right? We're in the playoffs in the NBA. It's, it's the season right now before the playoffs. It's, it's the preschool before the school, right? It's the learning stage. This is the warm-up act. This is the school before the, 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 the graduation, right? And he's getting us ready for an eternal glory. This, you guys, is how we rise above. And this is comforting to know that God's working on us if we will allow him to. Studies have shown that the people who were in the concentration camps during World War II in Auschwitz, in Buchenwald, in Dachau, all these concentration camps that many died, but some actually survived. And those who survived, they found meaning and purpose in their pain, that those who saw no meaning or purpose, they just gave up. And if you haven't been surprised yet, we will all be surprised and, 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 and you will be surprised at how much pain you as a human can handle. Humans can handle an enormous amount of pain when we realize that there's a good purpose in it. It's like labor. When you're having a baby, a lot of pain, right? 
But when you have that baby, you can, you can endure it. You know there's a purpose. There's something that's coming out of this. There's a purpose in the pain. And then if there is, then it's easy to give up. When the pain is unceasing, when the pain never stops, when the pain keeps going, we need to see God's purpose. Can somebody say yes? We ask ourselves, what is God doing? First, he's trying to get our attention. Second, he's trying to bring good out of bad. Third, he's preparing my character for heaven. He's given me an opportunity to grow in Christ-likeness. Things that are seen don't last forever, but things that are not seen are eternal. How do we rise above the pain? This is how. This is how. One final one. How does God heal a broken heart and a broken family? It's my final point. We will find comfort and rise above when we allow God to use our pain to help others. There is purpose in our pain. This is called redemptive pain. This is the highest and best use of the pain we go through. God does not want to waste a hurt. God never wastes a hurt, but we often do because we're not willing to use it to help other people. God wants to use our pain to help others. This is the highest and best use. Who can better, you guys, help the mother of a special needs child than another mother of a special needs child? Who can better help somebody who's lost a son or a daughter in war than somebody who's lost a son or daughter in war? Who can better help somebody who's lost a limb than somebody who's lost a limb? Who can better help somebody who's gone through the pain of an addiction or a marriage failure or a molestation or any of the other evils in this world than somebody who went through that themselves? God does not want us to waste our hurt. This is called redemptive hurt. He wants us to redirect our focus. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we received from God. So listen to me very closely, you guys, very carefully. Our greatest ministry will come out of our deepest hurt. And you can write this down, I'll say it again. Our greatest ministry will come out of my deepest hurt. Because all of a sudden, I can relate. I can say, been there, done that. I had a mother who was abusive. I had a dad who was distant and left the family. I had a failure in this area or that area. Our greatest ministry will come out of our deepest hurt. We think the world is impressed by how we handle prosperity, but the world is actually impressed by how we handle adversity. We think that, that, that it's our success that gives us credibility to be a witness. But God says, no, it is our suffering that gives us credibility. I'm telling you, the open doors that have happened to me since I've lost my mom, the open doors that have happened to me since I lost my sister, some people said, I never told anyone this because I never thought anyone would ever understand. But now you're here. You've gone through what I've gone through. See, we think that fame earns respect, but actually it's faithfulness in tough times. Here's the bottom line, and I'll say this again. We're in a broken world. So every day, nothing works 
perfectly. That means that every day we need, the, we need to either comfort or we need to be comforted. Right now, each one of us are in one of, or one of those two categories. Right now, we either need help because we're in really bad pain or we need to help others. And maybe God wants to do both at the same time. It's called being a wounded healer. That's what Jesus was, a wounded healer. If we wait until we're completely healed to help other people, guess what? We're gonna wait a whole lot of time, a very long time, because we're never gonna be fully healed of everything in our life until we get to heaven. So if we're gonna go through a tough time right now, right now, the Bible says comfort one another and give each other strength. This is what the body of Christ, this is what family does. This is what we do. We're supposed to help each other. And you guys, we want to help you. If anybody is here, we want to help you. Don't carry this on your own.